Thanks for tuning in for this podcast extra with Sarah Austin Janesse, the executive producer of The Moth, plus renowned playwright Katie Capiello on the ways telling our personal stories can spark healing. Recorded at New York City's IRT Theater. We had a small live audience and we recorded the following during the Q&A afterward. So the question is about the ways that listening to stories affects the audience. I mean, I, I guess I, in my experience, I think it's actually kind of simple. I just think storytelling begets storytelling. And so when people always say, oh, you know, what, what do you hope people leave the theater with? Like, what do you hope they leave the theater feeling? Like, what do you want them to feel when you're done, when the play's over? I'm like, whatever they're feeling, I don't know. Like, I don't want them to feel, I want them to, I want them to go out to dinner or, you know, go take a walk down the block and talk about what they just saw. And sort of without fail... Um, you end up relating it to your own life. And I think for me, especially working with young people, storytelling gives permission. And, um, and sometimes we don't know we're allowed to say certain things until we see somebody else do it. And, um, and, and that's really important. I don't, you know, with, with every performance of Slut, without fail, there's a line of people that want to talk to me or Charlotte or you know, who's my assistant director or any of the cast members, like a line who want to say, this happened to me. And, um, and they just want a chance to say that out loud. And so we follow every one of our plays, wherever we are in the country, wherever we are in the world, with a talk back, a post-show post discussion forum. And the reason for that is we want to initiate that conversation. And, and, and every single time, it's an exchange of stories. It's, oh, you know, a 13-year-old girl who's in the audience raising her hand talking about what it felt like to be dress-coded. It's a 65-year-old woman who stands up and said, says, you know, she was raped when she was 15 and never said it out loud. And so it's, to me, that's, I think, what we want. That, that's the impact it has on an audience mm-hmm. is permission and the fuel or the fire to share their own mm-hmm. truth. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, it furthers conversation. I mean, I think um, after, after any moth show, you have people who have connected to, to all the stories to some extent, but you have people who loved one story and they'll say to their mother, well, the first one was my favorite, and she'll say, mm-hmm. no, the fourth one mm-hmm. was my favorite. But, but still, you're bringing these things out into the forefront so that then people can talk about them. And um, we've heard lots and lots of listeners um, for the, the podcast or the radio or even live audience say that they do bring people in their family or they listen with their parents or they listen with people who, um, whether it's on purpose or they've just turned it on, that they don't kind of have that open dialogue with. But these stories kind of give them yes. this pathway yeah. to start conversations or to say, well, what do you think about her experience? Or yeah. um, has anything like that happened to you or... Um, or something, something along these lines. And I think that the more people are talking about these issues, the more, um, right, there's availability for, for healing. Um, in the live audience, sometimes you'll see tears in mm. people's eyes, mm. um, and sometimes they won't quite be vocal about mm. their personal connection. And that's also terrific. In some cases, you'll see people who were strangers walking in um, one, I remember one of my very good friends in Los Angeles was sobbing, listening to a story of a woman who had to decide whether to, um, terminate a pregnancy because mm-hmm. of a terrible diagnosis she mm-hmm. had 
received. Um, and um, uh, my friend was just totally sobbing and a stranger next to her offered mm -hmm. um, tissues mm -hmm. and they ended up becoming great friends. Yeah. And there was like a whole, yeah. you know, so <laughs> I think that whether or not you're talking about the issues, having it be on a stage yeah. or in some kind of a place where you can consume it in community um, is, is um, just so positive. Yeah. And like communal catharsis is valuable. Yeah. Like being in a space together and being like, we all just heard that. We all just witnessed, bared witness to that. It's important. It matters, especially. And again, I say this as someone who spends all of her time with people under the age of 18 in the days of just mm. constant technology. Right. Mm. Um, and that that's really important. And it's it sounds maybe corny or old of me to say, but it's true. Um, and then the other thing I, I, I wanted to touch upon is also just empathy. So like, I think there's, we're talking a lot about how what you just heard makes you, or maybe gives you permission to tell your own truth, but sometimes it's just an appreciation for that person's experience. Mm -hmm. And and that's equally valuable. And so I, I for me, when I think about every play that I've written, um, there are oftentimes going to be people in the audience that are far removed from that experience. So I love when uh, a teenage boy comes up to me after a play and, and, and says, I feel like I get what she went through. I, I really, I hate what she went through. That's really painful to me. I feel like broken watching that. You know what I mean? Mm. And vice versa. And there's also, there's just something about someone living and breathing right in front of you and, and, and witnessing that humanity that is um, game changing, you know, and, and really changes your um, understanding of someone else's life. And, and, and storytelling is essential for that. Yeah. Like um, you said in this, this question, there is, the act of telling, but then like you're saying, Katie, there's also the act of listening. Mm. And I feel like um, that's part of the reason why the moth has been successful, in my opinion, for this many years, because we're, we're kind of inspiring people to practice the art of listening. Yes. And that um, the audience listening in silence mm. and not interrupting yes, and yes, not yes. telling the person what they think or their same experience or, you know, whatever it is, is, is something that we need to continue to practice or else we're going to lose it. Oh um, yeah. And we don't even do that when we watch TV. We're like pausing. We're like, do you believe she just did that? Like what yeah, the hell, you know, yeah, yeah. even when you're listening to a podcast, I will, I will pause and I will call Charlotte or I call my friends and be like, I'm in the middle of the daily and what the fuck, you know? And it's, yeah, but it's yeah. what you're saying of just having to be in a public space or a communal space and sit and not get to minimize or pause mm -hmm. or turn it off or, you know what I mean? I have yeah, to yeah. really sit and listen. Yeah. To and it's uncomfortable for it's some uncomfortable. people. It's uncomfortable. I mean, in some cases I see fidgeting or, Oh, yeah. or, or what have you, but you're really sitting in silence and you're really taking this person in yes. all the pauses, all the yes. reactions in real yes. time. And you're really having an encounter. Yes. You're in the presence of a real person yeah. and all these other people yeah. in the audience. Yeah. It's like alchemy, right? It's like a yes. dance. It's like there's, there, it, I, I love so much the, um, theater um and and the moth and i was particularly interested in documentary film for mm. I, I mean i still am but i feel very much like in these in these moments um uh it's never going to be the same as it is right now yeah. right and the audience is never going to be the same yeah. as they are right yeah. now and yeah. so you're creating something together yes. and whether the story is a mystery or it's very funny or there's this like crazy twist at the end or it is a story 
with with um, that's exploring a traumatic uh, experience. Um, it's just so rare in this world right now for people to be in community like that together. I agree. And I'm just going to add quickly that there's something I also think that's really interesting about our expectations with storytelling and our expectations of, of what, um, of uh, the sharing and the listening of, um, I, I love my students. I love when they're, after we do a performance and they'll come up to me and they'll be all sort of sad faced. And I'm like, what? Like, what's going on? Like, they didn't laugh. Like, no one was crying. It wasn't good. I didn't do a good job. Like, I failed. And it's such a great opportunity to sit and say, we have to give people whatever space they need or whatever their reaction is going to be gets to be their reaction. And it's not a failure on, on anything that has to do with your story or what you brought to the story that we're telling. It's not about that. Or it's like, you know, I didn't get there emotionally this time. But, but you are who you are right now today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how you're telling the story right now today is how you told the, told the story today. And I think that it goes so much to what you're saying, Sarah, of just being like, that's the beauty of liveness, of just the idea that like every time is different. Mm-hmm. Even if you do the same show over and over and over again, every time is different. Every experience is going to be different. Every reception of that story is going to be different. Right. And, and that's supposed valuable. to be. It's that's supposed the, to be. That's the right. beauty. It right. kind of takes... I think with, with some with some storytellers they get very nervous and it's like no you lived it yes. like you know this yeah. is there yeah. there is great beauty with creating plays and roles and and um and then there there's also great beauty of just being yourself I yeah. say you know you lived through this so no one knows how you constructed the story right right, right. so you just think of what happens next yes. it's actually you know and then however you show up in the space is how you is how you show yeah. up in the space yeah. and if it doesn't feel different then you know that's the only way that you know you're not doing it right right if it doesn't agree. feel different agree yeah oh yeah. different right different yeah. because different. Yes. yeah because when you're when you're when you're telling a story it's not meant to be memorized in that way it's worked out so that you yeah. know that you're you've got a strong structure but it's not like a it's not like a, a recitation yeah. Yeah. i would yeah. say theater directors would say the same thing yes like absolutely. even with memorized text you'd yeah, say yeah, yeah. if it doesn't feel different you're doing it wrong yeah. it's got to feel fresh and in the moment and just true as yeah. much as you can every time. Right. Yeah. It's about being alive. Yeah. Um, just wanted to check in if there was another question. Got it. So the question is, what about when you receive challenge as a response, whether from the storyteller or from someone in the audience? Because, because you guys are both talking about bringing forward these really sometimes raw stories or breaking taboos or de- delving into traumatic experiences any insights about or experiences with encountering a challenge? Yeah, a lot. Um, and I'll just focus, I think, on um, response because I think uh, I, I actually find that most interesting because you have storytellers who are being vulnerable and they're putting themselves out there um, and you cannot control the response of an audience. It's very interesting, especially when you're doing theater with young people, is um, being on stage requires a certain degree of agency. And so there's a sense that they're like, I'm in my shit right now. I am like in my power. And I am like, look at me stand up here and like just be naked and vulnerable and honest. And, and then to get feedback after that, that is challenging or, or really quite frankly, negative or um, hurtful or just rude um, is, is really hard to process. And there's a lot of anger that bubbles up and a want to sort of like 
throwback, you know, and get into a whole back and forth. And so I'll just say this went we went to a school um, in New England, and I won't say the name of the school. It's a boarding school in New England. And in the middle of Slut, we're doing both the plays. In the middle of Slut, um, in this big theater with 700 kids, the girls on the stage started getting catcalled. So in the middle of the show, is this girl is detailing the rape of this character. Boys in the audience are shouting things out, and then they started clucking. So doing this sound all across the auditorium. And Amalia, who at the time was only 15 and is the lead actress in this play, is just staying focused and telling the truth and telling her story. And, you know, we get off after and the kids are obviously really upset, really emotional. And the instinct was to, you know, go at it with the administration. And just that was my instinct, too. And just like lay into them. How rude is your student body? What is going on here? You know, make some big speech in the next performance and say, none of that's appropriate and like all this stuff. And really what we sat down as a team, my assistant directors and also the casts and tried to figure out what is most productive actually, where did that come from and what's most productive. And what we figured out was that we would, we would say something at the beginning of the next show, but it wouldn't be punitive and it wouldn't be pointing fingers. See, this is emotionally charged content. And sometimes the reaction to emotionally charged content is, is not what we think. It isn't crying. It isn't, you know, uh, having to leave the theater because we've been triggered. It's laughing. It's acting in ways that we, we almost can't control because we're so uncomfortable. And if you are feeling like that's something you need to do, we're asking you to step out, you know. Um, and then we had a conversation with the administration and talked about ways they could talk to the classes that were in that particular audience about what happened that day. And it wasn't about that was really messed up and you made us feel bad. And that was really inappropriate. It was about where did that come from? Why did you think that was the time and place to do that? And, 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 and how do you think that impacted the person that was on stage? And what does that actually say about the very topic that the play is here to address? That's what we're trying to do with the kids too, is to think like, how do, we, how do we actually make this an opportunity to think about how we engage people in conversations about issues? Not just tell the story and then let, them ha- let, let that hang. Say, like, we're going to sometimes get feedback that's uncomfortable, that makes us upset, that even in this case, I would say is abusive. But maybe that's a strong word, but you know what I'm saying. Um, it, that, that requires us to take a deep breath and figure out what is the most effective way to engage. Because wherever this is coming from is a part of the conversation, too. Right. Yeah. So that's just one example. Yeah. So yeah, it's really it hard to another. Well, obviously a teachable moment, but a transformational yes. yeah. moment. Yeah. Is there anything you wanted to? No, that's an excellent example. Um, and I think that setting the tone, like you said, or, or calling it out before the, the work takes place is a great way to make sure everyone is on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about growth from, from so many different angles that yeah. you probably weren't, um, considering. Um, and I would say it, it, back in the day before we had agreements like we do mm-hmm. um, in the workshop setting, there might be people who, as you were trying to formulate your story, you'd have other people who, without even thinking, might say, well, I don't feel the same way, or why mm-hmm. do you say that? Or, well, do you think all people X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. or can't you see it from this person's mm-hmm. point of view? And so um, I think that some of our instructors were floored by this because pe- we weren't setting the tone in the right 
way, mm. in a constructive way, mm. um, right at the start. Mm. And so this was part of what our learning process was because mm. we want people to feel safe. But we're also helping others in that workshop setting to know how to give feedback, totally. you know, and to know how to be constructive about their feelings and their right. thoughts and right. how it could be appropriate to say something or when it's more appropriate to, yeah. to hold back or to find a different avenue. And so, um, like you said earlier in your, your question, it's not only about the players or the storytellers, yes. it's also about, um, taking into the equation the, the other people who are experiencing it and helping them to, to, to grow in the ways that they're um, internalizing. That's lovely. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Subscribe now to hear next week's episode with survivor advocates Amanda Burden, Nastya Gorodilova, and Eric McGriff on their work to heal the culture. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts or visit HealMeToPodcast.com.